1: I'm Kathy Worthington. Welcome to our latest episode of Late Boomers. Today we have a special guest filmmaker, director, writer Ariel Bryan. We will be talking to her about independent filmmaking.
2: And I'm Mary Elkins. Ariel has produced commercial spots for NGOs and music videos and has a film out now called Saving Savannah. Welcome, Ariel. Thank
3: you for having me.
1: It's a pleasure. We always like to ask our guests how they got started on their career paths. What is your background or education and did you have mentors along the way?
3: Okay so I started out in the performing arts realm first Mm. and when I got to college I had this opportunity to be in a class for filmmaking and it everything just kind of aligned together in that class where he literally was just like, these are the things you could do with film. And I got super excited about it. As someone who comes from performing arts and writing since I was small, it was something that I was like, I could combine all of these things together and make worlds that I had been reading about. And I was very excited about that. And it makes me exceptionally happy to do those kinds of things. And that's kind of how I got in. So my degree is actually in electronic media and film um, mm-hmm. at Towson University. So I have background with like experimental film, actual narrative filmmaking, a little bit of documentary filmmaking. But pretty much what are the mediums that you can use to get your idea out there is kind of what that degree kind of housed all together. Um, When it comes to mentors that I have nowadays, I don't know if I have someone that's like directly a mentor, but throughout college, most of my professors were very helpful in any way that they could be. They would recommend me for things. They'd be like, hey, show up on set. I'm going to be doing this film uh, with some other local artists. And they were very much the type of people who wanted me to get hands on experience. So I'm really grateful for them in that regards as well.
1: Hmm. That sounds like your professors were actually working in the business.
3: <laughs> they were they were hmm. yeah, and some of them were working in the animation arena, so they would get flown out to like Europe to do these like crazy cool animation like real indie art house type of things, and they would come back and tell us about it or if they had local things going on, they would try and incorporate as many students as they thought were going to have um like further careers within the business, like they thought that they were really good at what they were doing, even as students, they would try and get them on set as well. So a lot of my professors were very helpful in that regards, and they all worked within the film industry.
1: Hmm. That's, That's fabulous.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think I lucked out a lot in that regards. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you were
2: interested in the right thing. And we know you have have. expertise in figuring out how to get independent film projects made. How did you learn to do this? Did your professors help with that or was someone else very helpful? And why is this important?
3: I think that... My professors were a big influence on how to get stuff made, but then also my mom was really like gung ho about me loving to do this thing because my mom is super creative as well. Um, so my, for my professors, they would tell you, don't ask for permission, just do it, and then ask for permission after you've done it. So wish I'd had I, that advice early. <laughs> Yeah. So then I started learning to just do the thing. People won't be as upset with you about that um, and when they see the final product. So I think for indie filmmakers, like especially if you're not living anywhere close to LA or Atlanta or anything of that nature, I think you have to be a go-getter. There's no way around that. And you have to make your own path. Um, When it comes to my mom, she is also very creative, but she was like, oh, if you wanna do this thing, then let's figure out eight different ways to get to that goal. And I'm gonna like sit there and ride with you the whole time and we're gonna do this thing together. So that was kind of like what I think is um, was helpful in helping me to better understand and learn how to go about being an independent filmmaker. Why it's important, especially, is there are a lot of indie filmmakers who don't live in like major cities that are focused on film, and they have really great stories to tell. Some of them come from like writing backgrounds, or they may come from like a performing art, or maybe even just like a painting or some kind of like textile artist, artistry background. And they see the world in such a unique way that when they usually write scripts, these are Labors of love, if you will, um, that have taken them years. They have fine tuned it. They've like really done some really cool things with their scripts or how they want to shoot things. And it's important for those people to at least have an opportunity to make at least one project that's going to be very interesting. so like, I think that the, it, within the film com- community, there is a difference between cinema and then just movie going. And cinema, a lot of filmmakers believe are your like, things that challenge you or kind of touch upon the human existence or things that really will resonate with a wider audience, not necessarily wider, but with an audience that wants to think more or wants to really feel you know, it'll stand the test of time a little bit more. Whereas, you know, if you're just doing movies, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's more about like the gratification that's instant. So I think within cinema, a lot of these people who maybe have not broken into LA or Atlanta or wherever the hubs are, they have this very interesting way of viewing the world that would fall more into cinema. And it's very hard to get those kinds of movies funded. So you have to do it independently. You have to have people that believe in you. You have to be able to know how to put your own finances into it, how to rally people around you that believe in this vision and goal that you've got for your film. And I think that there's definitely a place within the grand scheme of films for those types of movies to be. Um, kind of broadcast it and put in there. So I think that's important so that the conversation of cinema keeps going on.
1: That's great. Yeah. And have you been able to network with a lot of those people in other areas that are doing that?
3: Um, I wouldn't say a lot, but I've networked with a few of them. And I just love talking to these kinds of people because they're there for the love of film. And so you're going to get to experience new and interesting ways of like shooting something or new and interesting ways of like maybe if we look at the script in this regards or maybe we deliver our lines a little bit differently than would normally be the case. Um, but the people that I've met, they've been very like helpful too when you kind of link up with these types of people because they are fully here for cinema.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And we saw a quote about you. If there's a story (laughs) there, she wants to tell it. Can you talk about the importance of story?
3: Um, So as I was growing up, I've always had to read So for me, and Mm -hmm. not just like little books, like chapter books, when we were young, we weren't allowed to watch a lot of TV, we had to read a lot, we had like one hour of TV a day. So for me, all of the visions were happening in my head as I'm reading it. So I got really interested in the art of storytelling. Um, And then the reading transitioned into writing journals, which went to writing short stories, which went to writing scripts eventually. And I think that it's something very powerful and very like cathartic to get a story out there and to really harness the way a character feels or maybe it's based off of someone in real life and you really putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and to really understand exactly what they're going through and to convey that to your audience, I think is so fascinating. And it's very fulfilling for me when I get to see stories that, maybe I wouldn't make those same decisions that the character would, but I'm like, I understand, you know? So maybe it's told about a villain, um, but you might still understand the villain. Like there's a reason why the Joker was a great movie um, because people understood the villain, you know? So I think that's very fascinating for me. And that's why I like telling stories. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and everybody has a voice, and every voice is so interesting. Right. Tell tell us about your most recent film release, Saving Savannah. We know it's a story about mental illness and its repercussions. So why did you feel this was an urgent story to tell at this time? And um, also, have some important
3: discussions come out of it? Yeah, so Saving Savannah was kind of a culmination of a few years of my life. Not that the character is based off of me, but I lost a few people to suicide from high (sighs) school all the way through college. And every time it kind of was like, it kind of rocked my world because I just saw this person. Um, And at the time, nobody was really talking about it. It would be something that was there but nobody was really having this discussion of like, how did these people get to this point And no one noticed, you know what I mean? So because yeah. a few of the people that I, I lost, they did not seem that way at all. So I had to deal with feeling a little guilty for a few, uh, for a couple of the people who died because I felt like I didn't notice anything. Was I being super selfish? Was I like not there enough? for this person when I saw them all the time, you know? So for me, I felt like, okay, this is one particular story that I could tell about a fictional character and kind of understand why or how they got to that point and what they could do or how a community around them could help them pull through that kind of situation. Not that everything would always be 100% okay, But how is it that we as a community can kind of rally around people who are not feeling at their their best and make them feel like, okay, I have a place in this community where I matter. And I think that was the main point of this film. And as to what the discussions that have come out, I've definitely heard people say, um, to me, after they've watched it, like I, I knew people like this. How, how, how is it that I also couldn't figure out that they were having a tough time, you know? Or what well, do what do you, what do you watch it... for? Uh, right. Those are those are questions that I had too going through the film, and then I guess it's what I've been learning is it's being a lot more attentive, and sometimes when people just say, "Oh, I'm fine," you have to start to recognize the subtext that they're not verbally, you know, saying to you, so I'm fine might be like, I just don't know how to put any of these emotions into words. Um, Or maybe I'm fine, but let's go get coffee. So you can, you know, have a conversation with me or something. But just like little things, it doesn't have to be anything super, you know, big. But I think a lot of people have to feel like they matter and that they have a purpose in life. That would kind of help a lot of people start to sort through those emotions.
2: Yeah. Um, Can you elaborate more on uh, what people are saying about it and how it's helped them?
3: Yeah, I've gotten a few messages from people who have told me that they felt like it was good that the movie ended up on a hopeful note. Mm. So that they weren't in a constant kind of cycle of depression, right? Um, And I was very conscious about wanting it to end on a hopeful note. So that even if someone was going through something tough and they were having thoughts that were not the best, uh, they could at least see this and go, you know what? She still had hope at the end. The character had hope. I could also have hope at the end. Um, instead of, you know, feeling like I'll never get out of my situation, right? Um, so I think that was a very encouraging kind of uh, note that I was given to by someone saying that they felt like the hope was like a good thing to have at the end of it.
1: And have you been able to plug that film in to any of the suicide prevention lines or anything like that? For yeah, groups? we're starting
3: to do that too. Yes. Oh, good. Yes. You've got a couple of groups in the area that are interested in showing it to people that they're counseling through that now, too.
1: Great. No. That's got to make you feel so good.
3: Yes, it really does.
1: And I also loved the music video that you made for the alternative rock group. After Yeah, Cust. yeah. After right? Cust. yeah it's great. How did you find them or did they find you? And tell us about making that little film.
3: So what's kind of crazy about After Cost is that my brother had a friend who was friends with them and they just had like no uh they didn't really have videos or anything like that, but his friend wanted to make a music video for them and he did one of them and then I joined up with them for the video that you saw and helped them with their music video. But I love their music. So I their music's fantastic.
1: It's fantastic. It's so good. Oh, I'm yeah. totally. Can you, can you get the rest of their music on Spotify?
3: Yeah, I, it should be yeah. on Apple, Music, Spotify, all the major platforms.
1: Because I'm going to be listening to them. I really like <laughs> it.
3: For, for yeah, our listeners
2: so who, don't, who don't know the, the band, can you describe the kind of music, what genre? Okay,
3: so I would classify them as an alternative pop rock band. Uh-huh. Somewhere in that kind of vicinity, if you think like early 2000s, late 90s kind of pop rock music, that's what they create. Um, a couple of their songs have a bit of a hip hop element to it, but just mostly alternative pop rock.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what I would call them, because it's just like what you hear on the alternative rock stations. I hope they're on right, there.
2: Right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah.
3: that must be great just like fun. Really nice guys. Must have been such fun to do. It was. It was a lot of fun. Uh, one of their members, the drummer, he's, he's a character. He's so funny. So it was like, it was such an easy kind of video to do that um, time kind of just passed by super quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have some beautiful digital
2: art too and blog ex- oh. <laughs> excerpts. They're on your yeah. website. Aurieleshelain.com. I'm going to spell that for our listeners. It's a u r i e l l e c h e l a y n e dot com. Talk about your approach to art, and you're interested oh. in so many facets of it. Talk about that and how that all yeah. came together.
3: I just, I'm kind of a person who really likes crafts as well. So for me when I, my approach to art as a whole, film included, is if I have a story or an idea, I don't ever wanna limit myself to the medium. So I try to produce art, which I feel like best fits each like specific medium. Um, So the artwork that I have right now was just kind of playing in my head, like, oh, I should do a digital collage and then let's see what kind of pieces I can put together. And that's kind of how I approach that one. I have other ideas, but I also just go back and forth. Like, is this better as like a little art house film or is this better as an actual art piece? Or maybe I can make a narrative out of this idea and go that way. But I like to not put myself into a box of a specific medium. So yeah, that's why I think my site says creative artists because I kind of go around different mediums to see which will fit best.
1: Fantastic. And I love the blog excerpts on there, too. Thank you. Good writing.
3: Mm-hmm. Thank you.
1: And in your opinion, what, what would be the most important personality trait that someone would need to work in your industry?
3: Mm, a personality trait. Um This is not the personality trait, but I think you need perseverance. So you have to have like a dogged kind of mentality once you set your mind to something for any of the art field. (laughs) Because you're told no so many times, especially in indie film, and especially if you have no connections. So you have to be the biggest believer in what you're doing um, and be okay with being told no and then just figuring out another path to get to your goal. Yeah, I love that. That's
2: great. So true. So true of any, any job or any uh, business where there's a lot of competition, you really have to believe in yourself.
3: Right. And art is subjective. So it's even more difficult sometimes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Very true. Is that the main lesson that your job or many jobs have taught you (laughs) and you think everybody should learn that at some point in, in their lives?
3: Most definitely, because there has been so many times where I thought I had something really great and I loved it, but I was told, uh, maybe not, or maybe you add this thing and I'll look at what I have and I try to be as objective as possible. But sometimes you're like, if I add that thing, I think it's going to lose the integrity of what I've already presented. So then you have to weigh the pros and cons of whether or not you compromise for something or whether you don't compromise for something. So I think I've definitely learned that no is not the end. Um, And I've also learned that I will be my biggest cheerleader Hmm. that I have to be.
1: Absolutely. That's fantastic. Yeah. And what occupation, other than your own, would you like to try?
3: Mm, so I love history. I really wanted to be an archaeologist oh. <laughs> at some point in time. I like history, I like culture, and I like traveling. So if I could have somehow done like archaeology or some kind of linguistics, I would have been like okay too.
2: What Great. about that do you love?
3: I have always loved like mythology. And then from mythology, I thought it was interesting learning about the culture because a lot of the times a religion really reflects what the thought process is of a civilization. Um, And I'm really interested in the thought processes that get people to certain um, decisions and how, yeah, just a lot of that. Um, And then I also just really love language and like ancient languages and how similar they are to each other. So I think I've always just been interested in that. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm, on, I'm a nerd. So I just <laughs> like to learn. <laughs> oh,
1: fabulous.
3: Yeah. Oh, well,
2: linguistics <laughs> and language teach yeah. you so much about culture of the time. It really does. Yeah, yeah, really does. What would you say is your favorite aspect
3: of your work at this point? Writing. I really oh. enjoy like the creative process of development, for filmmaking. I, I like development much more than I like production. Production is really? great, but I love development because you get to see how all these pieces can start to come together. And the i the ideation of what you're gonna shoot, like the writing of it, um, making your like dream cast list, like all that stuff, I really enjoy that. Um, really? And then, you know, production is, I get to see how that's starting to come together with real people, real sets all that stuff. But I really, really love writing. Um Are you always surprised by the outcome? Yes. Yes. Like, so I had to train myself to be okay with the surprises that happen, especially within filmmaking, because sometimes I could be a perfectionist <laughs> and I was like, that's not what I thought. <laughs> um, but <sighs> sometimes
2: it's better yes well i I, i'd love to know your writing process do you write every day um do you always when you're working on a film start with the screenplay and how does that work with you
3: um so for me i don't have a hard and fast writing process because i find inspiration in like the most random places and usually late at night (laughs) where (laughs) i have to like wake up to write Um, but sometimes it'll be through like music and then I'll see like a whole scene in my head and then I'm like, wait, I have to write this down or it'll be reading poetry is really helpful for me at least, um, to come up with some ideas and some stories. Um, but mostly like music and poetry, or maybe if I have like a really interesting, intelligent conversation with someone who's challenged something that I didn't even think about, um, I find that fascinating. Like things that get my brain working is usually where I um, find a lot of inspiration. Yeah.
2: What are you working on now?
3: I have a script that I'm working on. I'm really trying to hammer out some kinks in that. Um, so hopefully, I'll be able to do some pre production or soon enough to start raising some funds for that. Um, and then I'm also editing books for people. That are putting out their own stories and whatnot. So that's what I'm doing. And I have a lot of that coming in currently. So I'm excited about it.
2: You are a serial entrepreneur and (laughs) artist. Yeah. Can you you give us a hint or two about the theme of your film?
3: Mm, It'll be sci-fi. Oh. And it will, it'll, it'll be closer to like a realistic sci-fi. So not so far in the future, but also not that close to now. Yes.
2: Interesting. I love that. I do too. Was it inspired (laughs) by the current space travel or um,
3: situation Um, in the world? or Like partially with the current space travel, but also something that fascinates me is that So many people want to go to space, but forget that they're taking their humanity with them. So do the sins of the past repeat themselves? Do, you know, just things like that I find very interesting. And that is a big clue to the script that I am working on.
1: And you've probably seen the film District 9.
3: Yes. Yes, I have.
1: Because that kind of came to mind when you said not in the distant future,
2: you
3: know, and,
1: and to do with humanity on the planet, too. Right. Interesting.
2: Well, I'm excited for to see your, your Saving Savannah and your new film, whenever that comes out. Right. And I, I would like to ask our listeners to check you out. on um, uh, Check out the film Saving Savannah, which you, they can find on Vimeo and on Instagram at Ariel Chalain. And that, again, is A-U-R-I-E-L-L-E-C-H-E-L-A-Y-N-E. And her website, arielschelaine.com. And Ariel, again, is an independent filmmaker, director, writer, and serial artist and (laughs) entrepreneur. Thank you so much, Ariel. Thank you.
1: And as always, we invite our listeners to follow us on Instagram at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins and on our Late Boomers Insta. And go to our website, lateboomers.biz, B-I-Z, to contact us and let us know what you are enjoying. Thanks again, Ariel.
2: Thank you. Thank you. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.
0: Calling all speakers. Even network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our speakers network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.